a funny thing. The understanding of words is a necessary thing. Uh, we have a lot of words, phrases in the English language that uh, many of us don't even realize that their ultimate source, when you trace back the history, uh, actually comes from the Bible. And now, that's worth noting. What also is worth noting is that in many cases, there's a lot of confusion as to what those words actually mean. Uh, let, let me give you a case study in, in one particular word, and it, 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 you'll recognize it immediately. It's, it's bless or blessing or blessed, okay? And the way we use it, there's a lot of confusion, especially in comparison with its origins, going back to the Bible, Old and New Testaments. For, case in point, I, I have no doubt that after the big game today, there are going to be interviews with some of the athletes, and in particular on the winning side. You're not going to hear this on the losing side, but on the winning side, someone's going to say, I've been blessed. Okay. When someone sneezes, it could happen in the next few minutes. Someone then will say to them what? Bless you. Right. Uh, in Southern speak, it goes something like this. Um, well, bless his heart. And, and that usually is kind of a low level, what a moron. Um, so you've got those, you've got some others. Uh, you know, if you gather around the meal table, uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, oftentimes someone will be asked or someone will just, will just assume the role of what? Saying the blessing, right? Uh, again, when you start thinking about this, you wonder what's the common thread in these besides the spelling, um, but in terms of the meaning, what's the common thread? Well, the one common thread is the origin. Again, this is biblical terminology going all the way back to the Old and, and the New Testament, but the question is, what does it mean? What does it mean? And even more importantly for our purposes here this morning, does it mean anything for us? Beyond just, you know, a curious little trivial word study, or isn't that interesting? He's talking about words, but, you know, come tomorrow morning, what difference does any of this make? If we understand it, it could make a world of difference, if we understand it. If you have a Bible, I'd ask you to turn with me to, sadly, yes, the last, the last in the Songs of Ascents. I am in grief, but anyway, um, enough of that. Uh, this is, those of you who are just kind of coming in here at the very end, this is a collection of Psalms, 120 to 134 that was pulled together at some point in Old Testament history, and we don't know exactly when, but we do know that it was used, this grouping, these 15 psalms was used by, we could call them pilgrims, as they're walking on their way up various distances from various places as the tribes of Israel from different towns and villages, north, south, east, west, on the compass, coming to ascending up to Jerusalem. But not as tourists but to come to temple, to come to the great annual festivals that the people were called to in, in that time. Well, and they were to sing these together. And for us, it's so well worth our learning, in a sense, maybe even literally, to sing these together because this, the, this, this collection of, of songs tells us so much just about what the life of the follower of Jesus, the disciple, still today in the 21st century is about when we rightly understand what these songs are about. It points us to, the, to that. And so they have gr a great deal of meaning and significance uh, even for us here today. So, Psalm 134, it's the last one. It's, it's quite short. 
and quite significant. Hear now the Word of God. Psalm 134, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. Let's pray together for a minute. Lord Jesus, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for giving us these words. Thank You for these songs. Thank You for loving Your people such in in that time that they had these songs, this songbook to sing together on those journeys as families, as neighbors, as um, people with, with history, and as they got closer and closer, just to it wasn't so much personal, but just common heritage and spiritual bonds that they all shared. And we, we thank You for what we've been able to, to learn and glean from this over the last few weeks, and we, we ask that You'd please help us here as we're right here at the end, singing here at the end, studying here, listening here at the end uh, with Psalm 134. Um, we want to do more than just have some interesting head knowledge we want, and we want to want more. Uh, We need this more than we even know we need it. Um, Whatever our motives and desires were as we came in this place this morning, Um, as was said earlier, uh, we confess right here, even at this point as we're about to delve into the, the text, that Some of us are glad to be here, and some of us are just barely here. We pray that you'd meet us wherever you find us. Amen. So I had an interesting phone call uh, one day this past week with a um, a customer service rep with a tech company. And this was a very nice lady, and she helped me out with my problem. And as the call is getting started, she asked some very simple, ordinary questions. You know, what's my name, um, what's my account number, and what's the problem that she can help me with? And we kind of walked from there. And what got to me to thinking afterwards was how those ordinary, simple questions actually have a parallel to some extraordinary, deeper, much more significant questions that every one of us is asking at some level or another. Think with me. What did she ask me? Who am I? Why am I here? And what are my needs? It's pretty extraordinary. Those are significant questions. And again, we're all wrestling with them. Every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth that's ever lived on the face of the earth wrestles with those questions to some degree or another. Now, we're pretty good at distracting ourselves from those questions, but they demand answers. Those are our fundamental, foundational questions that demand answers. Well, that takes us to our psalm, Psalm 134. Again, this is the last in this grouping, this collection of what we call the songs of ascents, and you could think of it this way. It's, it's a fair guess, it's a fair guess that what we have in, at this point, as you re- reach this point in the collection, is 
these pilgrims, these travelers, have arrived at their destination. Okay? They've, they're, they're at Jerusalem. They're, they've made the ascent. Okay? They're at Jerusalem. They've made it to the temple. And it's something of actually, when you look at it and you think about what's going on here, the, ex- the exchange, it's a dialogue. Uh, perhaps even a liturgical dialogue, maybe, that, that was formalized and, and it was you know, meant to be expressed you know, by every set of travelers every, every time they, they came. In verses 1 and 2, you have the pilgrims uh, expressing something, a call to the priests and the Levites in the temple, verses 1 and 2, the folks that, that work and labor and serve in the temple. The pilgrims in verses 1 and 2 are, are, are calling upon them to bless the Lord, right? And then in verse 3, you hear this response from those folks that are working there in the temple, the priests and the Levites, those who are serving and ministering there in the temple, a response to the pilgrims reciprocally to receive a blessing, okay? And as, as we think about what's going on, that very simple exchange, that very simple dialogue we pick up on some extraordinary things. And the first is the word bless is the theme of the whole thing. It occurs three times. Three times in these three verses, which is clearly the key to understanding the psalm. Psalm 134, this, this usage, this, this, this call to bless. It's, it's, um, it's actually, it's not just the key to unlocking the, our understanding of this psalm. It's the key to unlocking where does flourishing come from even in our lives is connected to an understanding even of, of this word. And what we come to understand is just something absolutely profound is at the very end of this journey, if you will, as we've walked with the pilgrims, okay, at the very end of this journey, it takes us to the, to the beginning. The key to everything is to bless the Lord. The key to everything is this call upon us, respond to bless the Lord. If I can put it this way, as we come to, this, come to the end, we see that everything begins with this. We are called to bless the Lord. Now, what would that look like? What does that mean? What are the implications of that? We've only got a few minutes, so I'm going to have to go fast. But there are three basic things that you can see here in this psalm pertaining to what it means to bless the Lord and why it's so foundational, why it's so critical that we would understand what that means and why would that dominate these words here at the very end of the songs of a sense and why is it being, why is, are the, these folks being called to express this and exchange these words in this way? Well, let's take a look at this if we can. So you, first you have the dynamics. Uh, of blessing. Secondly, you have, and you, this in your outline, the, the dynamics of the blessing, the necessity of the blessing, and then thirdly, the priority of the blessing. So, the dynamics, what it looks like as we observe it, the necessity, why it's so absolutely critical and vital, and then the priority, the focus, the gravitational pull, I guess you could say, or center of it all. So, let's look at these in turn, the dynamics why it's so necessary, what we see as this unfolds. The first thing that you see when you think about it, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 3, right? So, one party speaking to another, another party then responding to that one, is you see something of a reciprocity in the blessing. There's an exchange taking place here. 
there's one party that's giving a blessing, right? And there's another party that's receiving a blessing. That's what I mean when I simply say there's an exchange, there's a reciprocity here. Now, understanding rightly what it means for us to bless God, what does that mean? It it means this, we are to praise Him. We are to recognize and reflect upon the glories of who He is and what He has done. It is to praise Him. It is to worship Him. That's what it means for us to bless God, to, to review something of His excellencies and respond to that, okay? What then does it mean for God to bless us? Well, He also reviews something of us and responds accordingly to us and bestows us with His favor. He supplies our needs. Now, immediately you recognize there's not an equality here in this exchange. It's not like at Christmas morning, you know, I give you this and you give me that, and it's pretty much we're all on even footing, unless it's parents to a child. That's a different story. We're not talking about that. We're talking about one party blessing the King of the kings and the lords of the lords, and then the King of the kings and the Lord of the lords blessing them. So there's, there's, there's an inequality to the reciprocity. They're not, they're not, the two parties are not on even footing. So let me come back to this, the party. So when we bless God, again, we are acknowledging something of who He is, the inestimable, infinite, eternal worth of who He is. When God blesses us, He is responding to our needs. That's completely different. Derek Kidner, uh, great uh, commentary he's written on, on the Psalms, and I just want to read you a short statement he makes on this point. To bless God is to acknowledge gratefully what He is. But to bless man, God must make of him what he is not and give him what he has not. So, yes, there is, as we sit back and we understand, we look at this exchange, what's happening there in this dialogue, in this one party giving something and another party receiving something, in this reciprocity, there's an inequality there, which then, okay, so we bring this down to the ground, we ask, so what do we do with this? Well, we need to know our place. We need to understand where we stand in the exchange, Yes, we are called to speak with the whole of our lives. We'll get to that in a minute. We are called to speak with the whole of our lives. We are called to bless the Lord. But my friends, it would do us so well to be still and be silent before we do a thing. Because in this exchange, in this dialogue, We would do really well to understand who we are, who we're speaking of, and oh my goodness, I'm glad you're seated, who we're speaking to. This is where everything begins. 
This is where everything begins. At the, when we come to the end of, the, of this collection, this we find, this is where everything begins. We are called to bless the Lord, and we must understand something of the dynamics of that. All right, it takes us to the second point. Not just the dynamics and what we see, how it flows, the given, the, the given, the receive, but, but now the, the, the necessity of the blessing. As I said earlier, this has something to do with how vital this is. Um, what an imperative it is that we might have any sense, that we might begin and maintain any sense of spiritual health and sanity. So there's a comprehensiveness in, in this blessing. It encompasses the whole of life, and you see that alluded to explicitly and implicitly even here in these few, ver- these few words, in these few verses. So, let me just take you three, three quick things here, as you can see the comprehensiveness of this. First off, there's a unity to the call, the call to, to the blessing. No one is excluded. Look at verse 1. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Not a special case, not the professionals, not the experts, not those who get it and have got their stuff together, everybody, okay? So there's a comprehensiveness in terms of who has received this call to bless the Lord. Then there's a, you might say, a continuity to this in that it's all the time. It's not on Sunday mornings only. It's not just in your devotional time. It's not just, you know, kind of when you're ginned up and feeling holy. I don't know what that means. Anyway, that uh, you keep reading through verse 1. I should keep going. You keep reading through verse 1. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord, not just in the daytime, you see, when it's easy, when everyone can see, when everyone's watching you, when you're supposed to be good, when you're supposed to bless the Lord, not just then. But this is a, there's a comprehensiveness to everyone doing this and all the time in the whole of life. And as if that's not enough, the whole person, the whole of ourselves is to be engaged in this. As you, you see that as you keep reading, verse 2, lift up your hands. Yes, Presbyterians. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. The whole person is involved in this. That's another topic, another sermon. But it's here. It's here. So you see this, this is a comprehensiveness. The whole of life is involved in the necessity of this blessing, and it has a resetting, a setting and resetting effect upon the whole course of life. You look and you see how the attention of these worshipers has been just absolutely captured. I said earlier, three times you see the word bless, clearly making clear what the key is to understanding the theme of the psalm. You know what else you see repeated here? Whose name is repeated here? Five times the Lord. Five times in three verses, Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant God of Israel, who comes and initiates, moves towards, steps towards, despite everything he knows, he loves. It's not because of what he knows. It's despite of everything he knows. He moves towards us, even us, and loves with a faithfulness and a tenderness and a mercy and a grace beyond our fathoming. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. 
the Lord, the Lord. So you see the attention that is captured by these worshipers, which is so critical because, think with me, the dynamics of the heart. The heart follows what we admire. Our lives are shaped by what we're occupied and preoccupied with, who and what. So it's absolutely critical that the Lord has captured these people and, Lord willing, our attention as well because of that shaping, crafting, molding, transforming effect. You see, there's a, the necessity of this is, is clear, of this blessing, of this coming. It's, set, it's the expression of the whole of life and setting the course of, of every part of our lives. Now, why is this important? Why is this worth our engaging with? Because, and it was alluded to earlier, think about, and, and no few of you, I don't doubt right this very moment, I feel it sometimes too, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like blessing the Lord. Okay, let's own that. And let's deal with it. And let's wrestle with it. And think about this hard reality. It's not about you. This call ultimately is not about you or me and our feelings. The call is lift your hands. You may not be able to control your heart, but you can control your arms. Lift your hands and praise the Lord. It's ultimately not about us and our feelings. Now, praise the Lord. Praise God. That's a blessing, I guess. Praise God. He can take care of our hearts and our feelings. This is ancient wisdom here. This is not modern psychology. Modern psychology is smart enough to pick up on it, but the ancient wisdom here is this. We respond in the way the Lord is calling us to here and entrust our hearts and our feelings to Him because it may well be they'll follow, that they will follow in the expression of praise and blessing to Him. It all begins here. As we come to the end of this collection of these psalms, we see it all begins here, the need to bless the Lord. We see the necessity of that right here. Lastly, the third thing. So we've got the dynamics, what it looks like. We've got the necessity, why it's so important. And finally, we get to the priority. You might call it the, 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 um, the center or the gravitational focus or however you want to put this. So first, you see God over all. God over all. Uh, an elimination of, of options. Truly acknowledging, truly embracing, not just saying, not just God talk regarding His sovereignty and His rule over all things, but actually embracing it, actually em, um, inhaling it and exhaling it, and then living in and out of, of that. Again, truly, we see, we see this you know, three times, the call to bless, five times in the name of the Lord. If you were to ask these pilgrims there within the temple precincts, why are you here? Why are you here? What's their answer going to be? To see the sights? To bless the Lord. It's why they've made the journey. To bless the Lord. 
There's something of an invitational imperative. I worked on that long and hard. Write that down. An invitational imperative in the psalm. Come, right? Come, bless the Lord. So, an invitational imperative, meaning you are made for this. You are set apart for this. You will flourish in this. You need to do this. He is owed this. You get all the, the, the strands here, each one equally true. The commands, the invitation, all of it. So God over all. That's the big center. That's the priority in all this. But there's something else, and it has to be said, that in all of this, it only happens by grace alone. This blessing of the Lord, because we're responding to His blessing upon us. His is the initiative in the blessing. Ours is the response, okay? And we see that element even here. So where does the blessing come from in Psalm 134? Verse 3, may the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. Zion, it's the holy mountain. It's another word for the holy mountain, the place just north of David's palace. You can see it on the map. The place just north of where the temple was built, the chosen place of God's presence amidst His people. That's where the blessing is to come from. That's where our eyes are to be, to be looking. But, but there's even more than that. You see it there in, in verse 2. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Likely, that is a reference to the holy of holies the place within the temple behind the curtain where the Ark of the Covenant stood. The Ark of the Covenant, inside which were the Ten Commandments, the law, upon which the covering of the Ark was called the mercy seat. Upon the mercy seat was where the blood of the sacrifices was sprinkled, poured, depending on how you look, think of it. You know what the significance of that is? It takes the sacrifice, the life given of another that has to come between the people of God and the law of God. Do you see that? Even symbolically there with the ark, there within the holy of holies. This is a picture of Jesus. His sacrifice coming between the, between the, the people of God and the demands of the law of God. This is a picture of Jesus Himself. And so, back to the priority of all this, God over all and by grace alone, how can we bless such a Savior? By recognizing what He's done for us. Receiving that. Resting in that. Allowing our poor... Um, noisy hearts to be quieted by that. It's where it all begins. When we come to the end of all this, is where it all begins is in this call to bless the Lord and is the great priority 
Here, let me read it again. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. Bless you. I knew it was going to happen. Okay, tomorrow morning. You're asking the question, thinking back to this morning. What did that have to do with anything? It's a great question. Here's your answer. It has everything to do with everything. You ask, what, is it, uh, what does it have to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything in terms of our lives as individuals and even, can I, I'll be so bold as to say, at the level of our society, our whole culture as well. So C.S. Lewis, uh, no few of you know I'm a fan. Classic work, Mere Christianity. He engages in this, getting us to understand and grapple with something of this and the very basic foundations of these things. Let me read you just a few things he writes about this. He's describing, starts off just in principle, big picture, two ways we go wrong. One is when human individuals drift apart from one another or else collide with one another and do one another damage by cheating or bullying. The other is when things go wrong inside the individual when the different parts of him, his different faculties, desires, and so on, either drift apart or interfere with one another. Now, he goes on to say, here's, he paints a picture that we, you can think of mankind as like a fleet of ships, okay, sailing in formation, and the dynamics, how that, how that works, and, and sadly, how it doesn't. So, picking up where he left off, the voyage will be a success only in the first place if the ships do not collide and get in one another's way. And secondly, if each ship is seaworthy and has her engines in good order. As a matter of fact, you cannot have either of these two things without the other. If the ships keep on having collisions, they will not remain seaworthy very long. On the other hand, if their steering gears are out of order, they will not be able to avoid the collisions. Make sense? All right, now moving on from that analogy, a metaphor of, of, of a fleet of ships, he shifts the gears to give us something else in case that doesn't land. Thinking of mankind as like a band playing a tune, okay? And so to get the right result, you need two things, is what Lewis says. So picking up really, uh, each player's individual instrument must be in tune, and also each must come in at the right moment so as to combine with all the others. But then Lewis admits he has left something critical out here in his argument. We've not asked where the fleet is trying to get to or what piece of music the band is trying to play. The instruments might be all in tune and might all come in at the right moment, but even so, the performance would not be a success if they'd engaged to provide dance music and actually played nothing but dead marches. And however well the fleet sailed, its voyage would be a failure if it were meant to reach New York and actually arrived at Calcutta. So, the point of all this is, whether you're thinking, of whether, whichever of those metaphors jive with you, whether you're thinking in terms of a fleet of ships or notes on a page, we need to wrestle with the essential question of this. Why are we here? Why are we here? And I don't mean in this room. I mean like in the big here. Why are we here? That's a critical question. It's so foundational. It's so essential. And as our good architect could tell us, if you don't know 
enough, if you don't get, have straight an understanding of the foundation and you start building upon that, it's going to fall. It's going to crumble. It's all going to come a tumbling down. And friends, this is why Psalm 134 is so helpful, why it's so important. Again, it has application to our individual lives, right? And the fleet of ships and the band as a whole. Why are we here? Why are we here? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, would you please help us to see this, that everything begins with this call to bless you, to respond to you. Our own inward lives, it's so critical here. Our engagement with one, with one another is so critical here. And Lord Jesus, if we're honest and we pray, I pray I, for myself, for everyone here, that you would help us to increasingly be more honest because something's off. As we take a look in the mirror, as we just take an honest assessment of how I am, how we are, something's off at whatever level we want to think about. And it's always been true ever since the fall. We ask that you would help us to come back to this song, to all these songs that show us so much about the life of discipleship. But Jesus, as we come to the end here, we're getting down to the core of it all. Would you help us to see what it means to give you a blessing as we're called to? What it means to receive your blessing as we must. And to come to understand something of our heart's posture and all that and our need of you. Our desperate, desperate need of you as pilgrims walking on our way. Pray in your name. Amen. Well, we are now here uh, at a point in our service where we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And uh, I want to explain just a little bit of what we're going to be doing and why we're doing it and how we're doing it. So, uh, and it's very much, I want to say, is very much attuned with so much of what we've already been talking about, and that is our need. You know, it's not by accident that our Lord, uh, in the institution of this sacrament, has given us something of, of food, of a sign and a seal that has to do with nourishing. And uh, 